Well, hey, good morning, and uh, thank you for that warm welcome. I, I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to be part of this community and now serving uh, in official capacity with this community as well. Uh, I can't even explain to you how, how meaningful this is to me. Uh, and so exciting coming into the new year with this new role and responsibility. And uh, I, I just uh, cherish your, your prayers and, uh, and thank you for the warm welcome. I think it was uh, entirely fitting that the service began with a video of animals because um, Randy forgot to tell you about at least two of my jobs. One of them was I grew up as a farm kid, and then the second was I served as a ranch hand. And so I think it's entirely appropriate that the, this, this idea of fresh beginnings begins with this video of animals. So I want to take you this morning back a few years, back to a time when the internet really wasn't a thing and you couldn't do a whole lot of research on trips. And Drew Brennan and his... 15, 16, 17-year-old friends decided one spring that they're going to take a late spring or early summer trip to the current river in the Ozark Mountains in Missouri, and we were going to do some canoeing and camping over a three-day period. So we get there, it starts out great. We get on the river, but this turns out to be an ill-fated trip. First problem, some of our friends who had told us that they could canoe really didn't know how to canoe. And within a short time, we have canoes, you know, canoes uh, tipping over, capsizing, and we have to rescue them on the river, so it's a little chaotic. To make matters worse, I don't know how much I trust the weatherman anyhow, but we didn't have phone apps that we could check it, and this beautiful spring day suddenly took a turn and became a cold spring day. And by the end of the day, those of us that were already wet had wet gear. Our hands were literally frozen to our paddles. I remember prying fingers off of paddles. Our hands were so cold that they were locked on. So we then are at a point where now we're just trying to survive. And so we try to figure out what are we going to do for the night. The sun is setting. It's getting colder and colder. And so we find a cave in the Ozarks. And I don't know that this was wise, but hey, we were 15, 16, 17 years old. We found a cave. We managed to get a small, small, smoldering fire going that just made the cave smoky. The place is incredibly uncomfortable. This was probably the longest night of my life, and I am a person that has had a lot of long nights. Incredibly uncomfortable, incredibly cold, just trying to stay warm, just trying to make it through the night, not sure if we're going to see the sunrise. The good news, of course, as you can see, is I did see the sunrise. And as the sun crept over the morning, I'm going to tell you that that was the most beautiful sight, the most beautiful sunrise that I've probably ever experienced in my life. And as the warmth of the sun began to crept through, we began cooking breakfast on the little fire that we were able to get started. And I had some of the best food that I've ever tasted in my life. Anybody ever had spam? <laughs> this was the generic version of spam. Anybody ever had treat? That's, yeah, treat is generic spam. And let me tell you what, that morning, it was a treat. Because there was new life, there was new hope. The sun warmed us up, and the rest of the trip actually turned out to be a pretty good thing. I want to draw our attention now to this universal longing, this desire, this need, this aching for the sunrise. And I think there's little part of scripture that captures this better than Psalm 130. This is a song of ascent. This is a song that the 
ancient Jewish people would have sang year after year as they traveled, as, they, as the pilgrims traveled to worship in Jerusalem, as they ascended the mountain to worship God, the families traveling would sing this song. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. Imagine yourself on a road trip for the holidays. My kids are now grown, but uh, my wife and I, Hannah and I, when we would travel, we would try to sometimes get the kids to listen to a story or to sing a song. Imagine this being your family song as you're traveling to the grandparents' house. <laughs> Out of the depths I cry. But it so powerfully captures the need, the anguish that the ancient Jewish people felt as a nation that the empires of the world would sweep through and conquer. This longing for a savior, this longing for someone that would bring salvation. This longing for the morning light. And in the last four weeks, Brady gave us a series of messages that talked about how the baby born in Bethlehem was the answer to this longing. In the series titled, Why Christmas? Brady pointed us to four reasons why Jesus answers this ancient longing. It goes like this. Why Christmas? For a people that felt like God had perhaps abandoned them, for people that were longing for the light, Christmas confirmed that God was still present with them. No matter what they felt like, no matter how absent it seemed, God was present. Christmas introduced us to the idea of God's amazing and saving grace. The rescuer is here. Christmas affirms your value. It affirms my value. We are worth Christmas. And lastly, Christmas let us know that God gets us and is willing to jump into the mess of our world to save us, to bring salvation, willing to go to that cave, to that darkest place, to bring new light. And so now, though, we are stuck in this little period between Christmas and the new year. And if you're like me, if you're like our household, we've packed all the Christmas decorations already because, you know what? We are ready to launch. We are ready to take on the new year. We're ready to take on the challenges ahead. I've even got a new job that I have to get ready for. So let's go. Christmas has passed. The new year is here. Go tell it on the mountains. But as I was preparing for this morning, I felt as if God was whispering something to me. This guy who tends to have a lot of restlessness, this guy who's ready to go. And it goes something like this. Don't wake the baby. Don't wake the baby. Sit with the baby Jesus, asleep on the hay, just a little bit longer. And so I began to meditate on this idea of God in the manger, asleep on the hay. And wouldn't you know it, the morning that I'm meditating on this, my best friend, one of my good friends and roommate from college, sent me the meme that's going to be up here on the screen. Mary, exhausted, Having just gotten Jesus to sleep, 
is approached by a young man who thinks to himself, what this girl needs is a drum solo, <laughs> right? And I think this idea of the drummer boy, the little drummer boy, so embodies kind of our cultural energy as we go into the new year. We just want to start that drum anew. We just want something afresh. And yet, in this moment, in this pause between Christmas and the new year, I think God is whispering, don't wake the baby. And I find this message in this little gem in Luke chapter 2, where the shepherds have seen the angels and have come to visit the baby. And now they are going out to tell the world that the light has come, that salvation is here. And Luke takes this wonderful pause and says this, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And that's the invitation of this morning, to treasure and ponder what God in the manger means to you, what God in the manger means to me. Because Jesus in the manger is the seed, the beginning of God's new creation work. God's new creation that becomes our reality, that becomes our identity. I love how Paul, an earlier follower of Jesus, says it in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. He says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Pause. Ponder and treasure that idea of new creation in your heart. What does that identity mean to you as you step into the unknown of 2024? For me, this is great news because I'm a guy that likes checklists. Every new year, I've got a group of friends that gets together and we create an Excel spreadsheet. And we put on this spreadsheet all of the things that we want to conquer in the new year. And we'll text each other back and forth and we'll check in and see how whatever goal, whatever task is going, right? And we kind of have this competition that goes throughout the year. And then today we'll check in and see how everything went. Well, guess what I get to put on the first checklist? Become a new person. And if you like checklists, do you ever put something on your checklist that's already done? Is that person here? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll put the thing on my checklist that's already done just because it's really good to have it done. Guess what? That part of the checklist, that box is already checked. You do not have to spend 2024 becoming a new person. God has done that work for you. And the invitation then is to live out of that new creation in this new year. The Apostle Paul elsewhere talks about us being co-laborers with Christ. That is our vocation. In John's Gospel, John talks about Jesus, the light and the life coming to earth. And Paul says, we get to walk with Christ. We get to walk with Jesus in bringing that light and life into the world. We get to be 
that sliver of light coming over the horizon. We get to be those Christmas lights that get flicked on as the sun is setting. Imagine if that is how our neighbors viewed us. As a glimmer of hope, as a glimmer of life, as a glimmer of beauty in a time of chaos, in a time of uncertainty. And that brings me to our big idea for today. The big idea for today is that God's creative work integrates movement and repose. The movement piece I think we get. We are in a very fast-paced culture. New year, new resolutions. Go, 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 go. I am hardwired as a restless person. It's deeply ingrained in the soul of who I am. I know not everyone is wired that way, but if you want to get to know Drew at his highest energy, come and hang out with me at 4 o'clock in the morning. My family hates it because we go on a road trip and we get going early and I'm just a chatterbox for the first three hours of the trip. We get movement. But what about this idea of repose? Repose is kind of a weird word. It's gone out of use in the English language. It's still around, but if you look at the charts that track how often the word is used, it's not used that often. And so I want to define that for us. Why do I say movement and repose? Well, I love what repose stands for. It's a formal literary term used to mean the act of resting or a state of being at rest. But I love this second part. Repose is a state of mind. It is a freedom from worry. You see, I think there's a way that we rest, but we really don't rest because in our rest, our minds are anxious. Our minds are restless. Our minds are full of worry. And what Jesus in the manger, asleep on the hay, right, the lullaby, reminds us of is that God also invites us to rest. The image of Jesus asleep in the hay brings my attention back to the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created, right? So we have this creative burst of energy at the very beginning of the story. But then what does Genesis 1, chapter 2 tell us? It says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. The Spirit of God hovered over the chaos. And in this peaceful repose, God encounters chaos and does what? Brings forth light and brings forth life. We see this also in the story of Jesus and the story of Christmas. There's a burst of joy and then there's a time of rest. There's a time of repose. And just in case we don't get the picture, Luke a little bit forward in the story, Jesus is an adult, and he now has disciples, people that are following them. And they seek to get away from the crowd, and they get on the water, and they're in a boat. And a storm, kind of reminds me of my childhood, a storm sweeps in. And what is Jesus doing on the boat in the midst of the chaos? Jesus is asleep in the middle of the storm. The one that has the power to calm the storm is calm in the storm. And the story of the manger invites us in to that rest, into that calm, into that peace.
So what do we do with this? To me, this tension that we experience in this time between Christmas and the new year invites us into a rhythm, a rhythm that we see throughout creation. I love how the Apostle Paul says it in Galatians chapter 5. Paul says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, keeping in step, it seems like action, right? But let's think about action. Let's think maybe about keeping in sense in the term of dance. Any dancers in the room? This guy is not one of them. I'm a horrible dancer. If, 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 if I've ever called upon a dance, it's, it's, it's probably one of the most embarrassing things you will ever see. And, and truth be told, dancing almost ruined my marriage. You see, three times in my married life, I have attempted to learn how to dance. The first time, I bought lessons. I think it was through the local YMCA, if I remember correctly. I said, hey, that just sounds like a great way to connect as a couple. My wife would love this. And so I bought, I think probably for Christmas, I don't remember for sure. I bought us dance lessons. We made it through one lesson, and we got in a huge fight. Went horribly. A few years pass, I bought dance lessons again. This time, we didn't even make it to the studio. We got in such a bad fight. The third time, this was going to be perfect because we had gone on a, on a, on a, a, a vacation. Just, we we had, had a time of stress in our lives, and we just went on this wonderful vacation to a, a beautiful resort, and they were going to have dance lessons there. And oh, by the way, they had tequila tasting beforehand, so this should be, this should be perfect, right? Like, like, we tasted tequila, we danced, we fought, we didn't talk for probably 24 hours. And this is the guy that Keystone hired? <laughs> now, I know Prana probably has her own part in this whole conflict, but I'm going to tell you right now what Drew Brennan's part in this conflict is. You see, I am hardwired, as I said, to be a restless person. Randy gave you part of my resume, and I kind of look at it, and I'm like, what is that? I'm pursuing this, I'm pursuing that, I'm chasing this dream, chasing that dream. Trying to do it in a perfectionistic way. And somehow I can't figure out in the midst of it how to rest, how to relax. Because to dance, you have to move, but you also have to know how to pause. You have to know how to get into rhythm. I also tried to take music lessons. And one of the teachers that was teaching guitar, quoting some other musician, said this, that music happens between the notes. The music happens between the notes. And of course you have to have the notes as well. But you also have to have the pause. You have to have the suspense to get in rhythm. And so, if we're following the Apostle Paul's advice to get into step with God, we are getting into step with the creator of the universe. And the creator of the universe, the rhythm of creation, includes action, but it also 
includes the pause, the reflection, the silence, the still. The good news is we don't have to figure it out on our own. We don't have to create ourselves anew. Instead, Jesus calls us to follow his lead. During the Christmas time, we have a family tradition of setting out a puzzle. And over the days, we will build the puzzle. Now, the one thing that we don't do, because it's way more complicated, is I know that there are some people that will build a puzzle and they'll put the picture away that they're building. They'll put the box away. And they'll just build the puzzle blind. And I think that's oftentimes what we try to do, is we try to build the puzzle blind. But instead, this call, this call to rhythm, we have the picture in front of us, and that picture is Jesus. And I love the model that he gives us in his own life and ministry. What does Jesus do? Shortly after this story, the story of Jesus in the manger, this, the, the, the story moves quickly. It moves into his life and ministry, and Jesus begins healing people. Jesus does miracles. Jesus begins preaching, setting the captives free. There's action. But tucked away in the story, woven throughout the entire story, is what? Jesus went to the mountain to pray. Jesus took the time to recharge, to sink the roots deep in his relationship with the Heavenly Father and also in his relationship with the disciples. Action and repose is the model that is set before us, the model that we are called and invited to join into and follow. Now, I told you that my life is somewhat defined by restlessness. And as a young man, I found great inspiration in a quote from the very famous, a very famous quote from the fourth century bishop in Northern Africa, St. Augustine. And it goes like this. You've probably seen this before. You have made us restless, or excuse me, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. There's another famous theologian from the 20th century that I love named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was probably among the most influential theologians and pastor of the 20th century, but he was also one of the most outspoken and influential critics of the Nazi Germany regime. In fact, Bonhoeffer would go into prison, and I have a photo here, of him. This is him, the second from the right. Bonhoeffer would go in the prison for his, basically, attempts to overthrow Hitler's regime. And Bonhoeffer died in prison, was executed just weeks before Germany ultimately surrendered. Turn back the clock to when he's a 22-year-old. Bonhoeffer's first sermon in the city of Barcelona, where he was called to be a pastor, is on this message from St. Augustine. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And what Bonhoeffer says to us is something that's actually really powerful for me because I can never get past this sense of restlessness. As much as I try, as much as I find rest in God, as much as I find peace in God, I think there's something in me that is still hardwired to be restless. 
And I find solace in this message from Dietrich Bonhoeffer that talks about holy restlessness. Because you see, God is in the process of not only making us new creations, but making all things new. And so God can even redeem the spirit of restlessness. And what we see in Bonhoeffer's life is that he was deeply, deeply, deeply rooted in faith and that he found peace in the greatest of storms as all of Europe seemed to be falling apart around him. As he was trapped in prison, he continued to send messages of hope through letters, through correspondence to the people that he loved, to the congregations throughout Europe, kind of like the Apostle Paul did when he was in prison. And he ministered to the people around him out of this sense of peace. But what Bonhoeffer says about restlessness is that God redeems even our restlessness so that our restlessness becomes something that draws us closer to God. And it was that sense of holy restlessness that empowered Bonhoeffer to be one of the most powerful voices against the evil that was sweeping through Europe during his time. That sense of peace, that sense of freedom from worry, but at the same time, the energy that springs forth from that, that brings us into a world to bring God's message of hope and salvation into the world. I want to close with a passage from the Apostle Paul again in the book of Romans. He says this, For God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And when I was initially thinking about this passage, my attention was drawn to this part, that God is doing the work in us, that God is guaranteeing our transformation, that we don't have to do that. We can rest assured and we can live out of that reality. But as I think about it this morning, my attention is drawn to the last part of this passage, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You see, like my friends on the current river when I was 15 years old that I had to rely upon to survive that night, we are brought into a community that is made new in Christ. And we are surrounded by brothers and sisters who share that light and who bring that life to the world. And so... My conclusion is simply this. There is in this message a call to action. A call to bring light and life to the world. But I would say more importantly this morning, there's also a call to inaction. To reflect, to ponder, to treasure what the God in the manger, what that peaceful hope means to us and how it carries us into the day. Bonhoeffer wrote a series of letters and correspondence from prison that were compiled into a, a devotional for this season and it's called God in the Manger. And it's simply that message that no matter what storm you're in, that the God of all creation is there offering you peace and calm in the midst of the storm and is helping you to sink roots deep 
so that you too can be a source of light and life to the world. That is our calling and that is our vocation. I want to close today with a blessing and I invite you to stand with me to receive this blessing. I've opted to use the song that we actually sang earlier in the service because I think it just powerfully captures what we're talking about. From the book of Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May his favor be upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you and around you and within you. God is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, God is with you. So as you step into 2024, go with the assurance that God is for you and God is with you. Amen. God bless you and happy 2024.